Hi, and welcome to Three Circle Church. We are beginning today the Aftermath series. What we're going to do is we're going to take a look at what happened after the resurrection. We said that the resurrection is the most important event in human history and that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Well, what happened after the resurrection? I think many of us, we just jump into the New Testament and we forget that Jesus was actually on the earth alive for 40 days after the resurrection. Well, what happened during that time? That's what the Aftermath series is going to be all about. We're going to take a look at what was Jesus doing during those 40 days. And I am telling you, it's amazing. There's some of the most incredible stories in Scripture found in those 40 days. And we're going to take that journey together as a church. Uh, this 40-day time period changed the followers of Jesus forever. It changed their lives. And I believe that this journey is going to change ours as well. Today, we're going to begin on a road. A road a lot like the one I'm standing on here right now. Now, I don't know how you guys are, but I love roads like this, and I have my whole life. Maybe it's because I grew up on one. As a kid, I grew up on one end of, a, of about a quarter of a mile dusty gravel road. It led from my parents' home to my grandparents' home. And as a kid, all the way through my teenage years, I walked and I biked, and I spent a lot of time going up and down that road. When I needed to think, when I was stressed out, when I was concerned or worried, uh, when I became a Christ follower, I began to pray walking on that road. It was very important to me. And what you're going to see today is there's two guys in the Bible who took a walk on a road. The Bible calls it the road to Emmaus. Now, it was about a quarter of a mile long between my parents' house and my grandparents' house, but this road from Jerusalem to Emmaus was seven miles long. And the Bible tells us that after the crucifixion of Jesus, two of uh, Jesus' followers, they, they weren't well known, by the way. We only know them from this story. They were not a part of the 12 disciples. Uh, one of their names is Cleopas. We don't even have the other one's name. But we know that these two companions, Cleopas and his friend, are walking a long, rocky, dusty road uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they are stressed, and they are, they are concerned, they're worried. Their hopes have been totally crushed. Because Jesus, their hero, has been crucified and he's dead. And we're going to pick the story up there because you're going to find that that road between Jerusalem and Emmaus, that journey, changed their lives forever. And I think it could change ours as well. So join me on this journey. If you'll look in the book of Luke, we're going to go to chapter 24. We're going to begin in verse 13. And let's read the scriptures now. It says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had, they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So what is going on in the verses we just read? It's so interesting to me because the Bible says that these two people who had followed Jesus, he was clearly their hero and they're now totally distressed. The Bible says they're so sad. They're so down. Why are they so sad? Well, here's the deal. They had just watched their hero uh, be brutally crucified, tortured, killed in the most humiliating of ways, and then they buried him. Uh, these people thought that Jesus was going to change everything for them. But their expectations were off. They, they were thinking Jesus was going to come a different way. And they didn't yet understand really what all was going on on the cross and with the tomb. They were soon to find out. But at this point, they're walking a dusty road like many of you are kind of walking through life right now. You're stressed. You're overwhelmed. Uh, a lot of your hope feels like it's gone right now because of the situation we're all in. That's exactly how Cleopas and his friend felt as well as they walked that road. They were sad. And when Jesus shows up with them, the resurrected Jesus, number one, he can tell they are sad. And number two, they don't know who he is. Now, why did they not recognize Jesus? I think that there are three things we can look at as to why these two people who had followed Jesus did not even recognize him while he was standing with them. First of all, Jesus kept them from recognizing him because he was different now. One thing we see, and it's mysterious, but it's incredible at the same time, is that when Jesus was on the earth after his resurrection for 40 days, he's the same, but he's clearly different. We begin to see Jesus do things with his now glorified body, because what we know is that Jesus' body is not the same now. We see this from several descriptions in the New Testament. Uh, but when Jesus was glorified, he, he now has what we would call a heavenly body. And it tells us a lot about our future as well. Because Jesus' body was a real human body. He was not a disembodied uh, ghost. Uh, he will go on to tell his disciples that he has flesh and bones. He's going to eat food in front of them. And yet he can now walk through walls. He can now appear and vanish. He can travel long distances because you're going to find that he's going to go back the seven miles uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus in a moment later in the story. So what we find out is this is what the future looks like. The Bible says that Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. And he looks different now. He's the same. He's got nail scars in his hands, and yet he is glorified in a way that keeps them from recognizing him. It's pretty amazing, right? But secondly, uh, the Bible would lead us to believe that God himself sovereignly kept these two followers of Jesus from recognizing him. 
Now, why would he do that? The Bible really doesn't make that clear, but what it does give us is some clues. And one commentary writer says this, that God was wanting these two men to be honest about the situation. It kind of works like this. If, if your boss is in the room, you may not be as honest about your feelings about him or the organization uh, if he was not in the room. And what Jesus gets out of these two followers is their honest feelings and their honest opinions about the situation. If he would have just showed up and said, here I am, I'm back, well, they may have not been as honest in revealing the true condition of their hearts. Now, see, these two followers are sad because they didn't believe in the possibility of a resurrection. <laughs> Most of Jesus' followers didn't. If, if they would have, there would have been a crowd waiting at the tomb. These two followers thought that death was the end. They believed that. They didn't understand the concept of resurrection. And Jesus is about to change all of that. And you see, I want you to understand this truth about the resurrection. The resurrection is a historical event with current implications. Again, it's a historical event. It happened a long time ago, but it has implications for us right now because folks, if death is the end, the way Cleopas and his friend believed it was at the moment, if death is the end of everything, then we have no hope. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection, meaning death wasn't the end for him, and it's not the end for you and me. Now, if you believe that death is the end and you have a fatalistic view of life, that you're just overgrown germs basically from a long time ago and, and that pond scum turned into uh, human beings and through a long evolutionary process. If you have a fatalistic view that this life is all that there is and death is the end, well then you're not gonna have a lot of hope and a lot of joy and this life won't mean much to you. But that's why the resurrection of Jesus is an old story with a brand new everyday reality for us. You need to let the resurrection be a today reality for you like it's going to become for these two men on the road to Emmaus. And then finally, you need to understand this. The third reason they didn't understand and recognize Jesus is because he didn't do what they thought he would do. He didn't meet the expectations they had for the Messiah. These two followers, uh, they believed he was a great man, but they didn't understand yet that he was the Son of God and that he was going to die and then be resurrected from the grave. They thought he would come and be a, a, a king that would take over and release them from Roman rule. They thought that they needed someone to get them out from under the dictatorship of the Romans. They didn't understand that what Jesus came to do was set them free from their own sin. That's a bigger story. And that's a story that changed their lives. It can change our life as well. So after these two followers of Jesus tell them why they're sad, they, they, they tell him why they are suffering as they walk this road, uh, he answers them and he says this in verse 25. He says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I am fascinated by that verse right there. Let me tell you why. Because this is the greatest Bible lesson, I think, ever given in history. This is Jesus himself. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus is totally connected to his word. And he gives Cleopas and his friend a seminary lesson like no seminary lesson has ever been, right? He opens the scriptures, uh, which he obviously has totally memorized because he wrote them. 
and he begins to walk through the Old Testament and he begins to show these two followers the prophetic reality about himself, about the Messiah. See, a lot of the Old Testament Jewish people, including these two followers, they had an idea of the Messiah that was not at all the scriptural idea. They thought, again, that Jesus was going to come, that the Messiah would come and release them from political rule, which was the Romans at that time, that he would reestablish the throne of David, that he would reestablish the Jewish nation as a powerhouse nation, and that he would set them free. They didn't understand that the Messiah would come to set them free from a much greater reality than simply political rule. And you and I need to understand that the resurrection of Jesus is much more than releasing us from bad circumstances in life. We're all in the middle of bad circumstances right now. None of us are untouched by the current epidemic, the current pandemic. All of your family and friends, everyone you know, and even people you don't know, we're all touched by it. But Jesus didn't come primarily to release us from circumstances. I have no idea how long this pandemic is going to last, but I know this. I know the empty tomb in Jerusalem forever speaks to the reality that Jesus, the Messiah, came to set us free. Not just from circumstances, not just from the bad things of this life in this fallen world, but to set us free from the ultimate reality of death, the ultimate reality of our sins. And then it's interesting to me that the way Jesus begins to reach these two followers who had an incomplete understanding of who he was. And, and let me just tell you, an incomplete understanding of who Jesus was and what he came to do will keep you from having full joy, will keep you from growing and maturing in Christ. They weren't ready yet. They were not mature yet. Jesus is now going to take them to the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? The Word made flesh is now taking followers of his to the Word of God. This is powerful. The first thing he does after the resurrection for his followers is attaches them to his Word. Now, listen, if you're watching this right now, you need to understand that the way to get to Jesus is through his Word, through the truth, through the revelation of God in Scripture. Jesus, Jesus walks them through the Word of God to show them who he really is. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he begins to show them the prophetic reality of who the Messiah would be. In just a moment, we're going to talk about that prophetic reality and just what the prophecies in the Old Testament meant about Jesus, about the Messiah. But what I want you to understand first is the importance of the Word of God. Jesus himself decided that the most important thing he could do for his followers to complete the story for them, to bring them alive in Him, for them to grow and mature, to have a complete understanding of the resurrection that would light their life up forever, would be to open the Word of God. So what I would say to you today, get a Bible. and Get a Bible and start reading it. Start discovering who God really is because Jesus is forever connected to His Word, and His Word is forever connected to Him. The, the book of John says uh, that the Word was made flesh, and He walked among us. Jesus is the Bible walking around, and the Bible is Jesus on paper. It's interesting that Jesus did not show them who He was physically at this point. In fact, He didn't go to them through their eyes first. He went to them through their ears. Instead of visually, the first way Jesus reveals Himself to these two followers is audibly or orally through the Word of God. It's interesting, the book of Romans tells us this. It says that faith comes by not seeing, but by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We see Jesus literally walk that out with these two followers because the first thing He does to get to their hearts 
to bring them alive in Him, to bring the power of the empty tomb into their lives. Historical reality with real-life implications for them. How does He do it? He does it through their ears. He does it by telling them the truth of the Word of God. And that Word is going to begin to reveal to them who Jesus really is. And folks, the Word of God can do that for you today. It is the food for your soul. It is the nourishment for your hearts. And your hearts need nourishment more than even your body does. And this time where we worry about how we're going to pay for things and how we're going to stay safe physically, the Scriptures would teach us that our most important need is much deeper. It's our hearts. And Jesus and His resurrection is the absolute thing that can change our lives, our souls, and our hearts. And it begins with His Word. So I just love the fact that Jesus took these two followers to the Bible. He took them to the Word of God. Here at Three Circle, our focus uh, is on Jesus Christ and His gospel and His Word. So we want to point people, whether you're young or old, whether you're a new believer or you've been a believer for a long, long time, we want you to go to the Word of God. We want you to learn to feed on the Word. We want you to be able to depend on the fact that if you're involved at Three Circle, you're going to be hearing and being taught the Word of God. And what we see here is two people who follow Jesus, but they, they didn't quite understand yet. There's a chance they weren't really true believers in Him yet. They didn't understand the resurrection. And the way Jesus got them there was to go to the Word of God. And specifically what He did is pretty amazing. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, beginning in the beginning of the Old Testament, began to walk these two followers, Cleopas and his friend, as they walk down that dusty, rocky road to Emmaus. He begins to give them a Bible lesson. And it's a prophecy Bible lesson. You see, if you study the Old Testament, you'll find that there are over 300 prophecies about the Messiah, about Jesus. And what we know is that Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies. Now, when I make that statement, it may not hit you as amazing as it really is. But the mathematic probability of Jesus or one human fulfilling all those prophecies is almost unimaginable that that could ever even happen. You know, we as humans, we like to talk about the odds, right? We talk about what are the odds of dying in a plane crash? Well, uh, it's approximately 1 in 12 million, okay? What about dying from a shark attack? If you live on the Gulf Coast like we do, it's kind of scary to get in the water. Well, uh, you can feel better about it because it's 1 in 11 million, okay? Uh, very rarely happens. You have much more of a chance of being in a really bad car accident. Your odds for that, 1 in 100. And your odds for being audited by the IRS, 1 in 175. So we know how to play the odds, right? We get it. Well, when it comes to Jesus being able to fulfill all the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, uh, the math gets pretty mind-boggling. You see, those prophecies were not things that you could easily predict. Uh, they, they, were, they were things that you couldn't really pour concrete on, like where's the Messiah going to be born, and, and who's He going to be born to, and how's He going to grow up, and what's the characteristics of His life. You see, when God made a prediction in the Old Testament, He would add so many layers of detail that it would make it impossible for these things to randomly take place. And yet all of this took place in the person of Jesus fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. This was the way Jesus got to the hearts of these two followers on the way to Emmaus. He began to walk through the prophecies. There was an amazing mathematician from the uh, College of Pasadena, Pasadena College, who wrote a book. It's called Science Speaks. His name is uh, Steve Stoner. Okay? And Professor Stoner wrote this incredible book 
where he goes into these prophecies and he gives you the mathematic kind of rundown of what are the odds that Jesus would do this. Now remember, I told you there's 300 prophecies. Well, in his book, Science Speaks, he looks at 48 of the Messianic prophecies. And he runs some different models. And one of the models blows me away because he, he tells us that instead of doing the 48, let's do eight. Let's say, what are the odds that one human being would fulfill eight of the 300 Messianic prophecies about him? Jesus fulfilled them all. But he ran the model on eight. And what he came up with is this number. The odds of Jesus fulfilling just eight of those Old Testament prophecies, uh, one in 10 to the 17th power. Now, I'm no math wizard, but all of you math wizards joining us right now, you know that that is a mind-boggling number. This mathematician gave us an illustration to help you understand how big that number is. Take the state of Texas, the entire state, and if you filled the entire state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars, the entire state is now two feet deep with silver dollars, and you took one of those silver dollars and you put a black mark on it in the middle of the state of Texas, then you took a person and blindfolded him and you told him, walk into Texas and go as wide as you want and as far as you want and pick up any random silver dollar. What are the odds that that blindfolded man walking into the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars will pick up that silver dollar that has a black mark on it? The odds are the exact same as it would be for one human being to fulfill just eight of those Messianic prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled not eight, not just 48 as this professor did his book on, but all 300 of them in unbelievable detail. This is one of the things Jesus did to help his followers complete the story, complete the picture, and have this rock solid foundation they could stand on. Now I understand that today people are watching and joining us here at Three Circle from all over the world. If you are a believer in Christ, let this truth that I'm talking to you about pour more concrete underneath your faith for you to stand on. You see, it's kind of hard. We have a trampoline in our backyard. It's kind of hard to stand firm when you're on a trampoline. It's hard to get your balance, right? And the problem is many of us, our faith is like a trampoline. Uh, we kind of go with circumstances. If we feel it one day, we're really in. If we don't feel it another, and we're not sure what we think about all of this. And I think maybe these two followers who had... Uh, totally been crushed uh, by their expectations not being fulfilled by Jesus. They thought it was over. They didn't understand uh, the prophecies. They didn't understand how rock solid the reality of Jesus the Messiah really was. But we can now because we have the evidence of the resurrection. And we can look back on the Old Testament and we can see all of these prophecies fulfilled. And my friend, if you're a believer today, I hope that this truth I'm offering to you uh, will strengthen your faith in the middle of this pandemic that you go, wow, I do have something I can depend on. And if you're here today, and let's say you're like these two followers, you, you like Jesus, uh, you think he's great, you go to church, but you've never really uh, hung the hat of your life on the hat rack of Jesus. You've never sat down in the chair of Jesus, if you will, to hold up your entire life. You've never really believed on him like the Greek phrase would be pestuo, where you place all of the weight of your life on him. Like lying down in a hammock uh, over a ridge that if you fall, uh, if those ropes break and your hammock falls, you're going to fall 100 feet to your death. That is what it looks like to really follow Jesus. It's laying down in the truth of who he is. And I'm here to tell you today, you can do that with complete confidence. Just look at the word. Just look at the prophecies. 
That's how Jesus helped these two followers. And they began to see the big picture. And all of the other followers of Jesus over the next 40 days, they're going to see the whole picture because the resurrection changes everything. And it changed everything for them and it should change everything for us because these two followers of Jesus were talking about him in past tense. They said he was crucified. He was buried. He has died. He was a good man. He was a good prophet. But all of these bad things happened. They were talking about Jesus in past tense. And you know what we do sometimes? We talk about him in the past tense too. We talk about the resurrection in the past tense. But I'm here to tell you that the resurrection is a historical event 2,000 years ago, but it has right now, today, implications for you and I. The resurrection wasn't meant to be something we remember from a long time ago. The resurrection is meant to give us power today, confidence today, a foundation to stand on today, even in the middle of a pandemic. Or when this pandemic is over, whatever you face next year and 10 years from now, even when followers of Christ faith face the grave, and death itself, we don't have to fear. Why? Because there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. Because Jesus Christ was crucified and he died and he arose and he fulfilled every one of those prophecies. Jesus is real, this story is real. And this story can and should change your life and mine. Am I living the resurrection today? Is the resurrection giving me hope today? I can promise you for the two guys walking that road to Emmaus, the truth of the resurrection began to light their life on fire. Their faith came alive. I hope it'll do the same for you today. You know, as I walk this road today, I realize that sometimes we just miss the point as people, right? We, uh, we can miss evidence that's right in front of us. This happened to me. Uh, this, this road reminds me of uh, my teenage years, my childhood years growing up next to my grandparents. And uh, this, this one day I was home from college, my grandmother called and I ran down to their house and my grandfather, who I loved, who was like, you know, this picture of health and strength, he had passed out. And I literally had to physically carry him into the living room and, and that began a chain of events. And, and what we all thought, because he had been working outside, is we all thought my grandfather had had a heat stroke. And he had all the signs of a heat stroke, headache and dehydration, we thought that's what it is. But when we got him to the doctor, what it was is he was beginning to have heart failure. He was beginning to develop congestive heart failure. And he was right on the verge of a heart attack. And that led them to do open heart surgery that ended up saving his life and prolonging his life. And we're very grateful for that. Well, what happens often is we misdiagnose things. And the two followers of Jesus on their way to Emmaus, they had misdiagnosed their lives. You see, they thought that they were sufferers in need of relief. And that's what they thought Jesus could offer them. Relief from what? Relief from the Roman Empire. They thought that Jesus would come and relieve them of the dictatorship of the Romans and set them free. And when that didn't happen, they were crushed. But what they didn't realize is they had misdiagnosed themselves. They weren't just sufferers, they were sinners. And they didn't just need relief, they needed a rescue. And my friends, you and I need the same thing. We desperately want out from under the circumstances we're in right now. But what if what you need is much more than that? What if you need a more than simple relief from the circumstances you're in right now? What if you need a savior? What if you need a rescue? And see, my friends, these two people on their way to Emmaus, they found out that day that what they needed all along was not an exit from the Roman Empire. They needed an entrance to the kingdom of God. They needed a rescue. 
There I was, empty-handed, crying out from the pit of my despair. And there you were, in the shadows, holding out your hand. You met me there. And now, where would I be? Without you, where would I be, Jesus? You were the voice in the desert, calling me out in the dead of night, fighting my battles for me. You, my rescue story, lifted me up from the ashes, carried my soul from death to life, bringing me from glory to glory. You are my rescue story. You are, you are my rescue story. And you are, you are. And you were writing the pages before I had a name, before I needed grace. Singing songs of redemption Cause every time I ran away You were louder than my shame Oh, and now where would I be Without you, where would I be Jesus, you were the voice in the desert Calling me out in the dead of night Fighting my battles for me you were my rescue story, lifting me up from the ashes, carrying my soul from death to life, bringing me from glory to glory. You were my rescue story, never gave up on me, you never gave up on me. You were my testimony. Never gave up on me. You never gave up on me. You were my testimony. Oh, you never gave up on me. You never gave up on me. You were my testimony. And you were the voice in the desert. Calling me out in the dead of night Fighting my battles for me You were my rescue story Lifted me up from the ashes Carried my soul from death to life Bringing me from glory to glory You were my rescue story Yeah, you are, you are My rescue story Yes, you are, you are my rescue story. So the end of the story of the Emmaus Road uh, brings us to a table much like this. Candlelight much like this. These two followers of Jesus have just gotten the Bible lesson of all time and they end up at a place uh, where they're going to have dinner with Jesus. They still don't know who He is. 
So let's take a look how the story goes. Chapter 24 of the book of Luke, verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And listen to this verse. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. Remember, that's a seven mile uh, walk or run. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. And they said, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, this is how Easter Sunday ended. We look at how it began with Jesus coming out of the grave. But a lot of things happen on that day. And this road to Emmaus tells us so much. And there's a few things that I see happening here. First of all, they finally recognize Jesus. They finally see Him for who He really was. They had been around Him. They had had familiarity on their road of life. They had spent time following Jesus, but they never really got it. They never truly trusted Him with their lives until this moment, until this day. The, the, the resurrection reality had finally uh, become their reality. And they are changed forever. The Bible tells us that they began to describe their hearts like they're on fire. And I think that happens for all true believers. I think three things happen. First of all, we never see Jesus the same. They finally see Jesus not as a conquering Messiah, but as a saving Messiah, a Messiah who is the king of all, even over the grave. And, and maybe you have this familiarity with Jesus. Maybe you've been around him your whole life been to church, heard a million sermons, a lot of Easter Sundays, but you've never really believed Him for His resurrection power for who He really is. Because if He came out of the grave, He's God and that changes everything. And it changed everything for them. Secondly, when the fire of Jesus burns in your heart, when you recognize Him, when you see Him for who He really is, you are never the same. Your joy becomes a reality. You have hope that cannot be ever extinguished. It's a fire that burns forever. Even to the grave, uh, when you have hope, even in the middle of a pandemic, uh, your hope in Jesus because of His resurrection uh, will hold you and sustain you. You are never the same. It changes the way you see all of life. It turns uh, everyday disciples into everywhere missionaries. It changes everything. And that brings us to the third thing that happens. The fire of Jesus, when we see Him for who He really is, uh, it changes the mission of our lives. We go from just being disciples to being missionaries. Every one of us, everywhere we go, we begin to tell everyone about this story. Look at what happens. They go all the way back to Jerusalem. That's seven miles. And when they get there, they can't stop telling the story. The story of the resurrected Jesus. It becomes the mission of their lives. No matter what, no matter where they go or what they do, they're going to tell this story. They're going to live this story. Now, what about you? What about me today? Maybe you are like so many. You've got a familiarity with Jesus like they did, but you never have trusted Him. You've never believed Him for who He says He is. Would you do that today? Would you, like these two followers, allow your life to come on fire because of Jesus when you see Him and recognize Him for who He really is? And then finally, finally, if you're here and you're a believer, why are you not letting the resurrection, a historical fact, be an everyday reality for you? 
the concrete on which your faith stands. The resurrection should impact today. Our hope, our joy, how we live, how we're married, how we parent, how we live and work, and how we handle tough times and pandemics, how we love our neighbor. All of it changes when our hearts are on fire because of the resurrection of Jesus. Would you allow this story to change your story today? When Jesus lights the fire of our hearts, the fire never, never goes out.